welcome to Fragmented Redefining Womanhood. What womanhood? Womanhood. Oh god. All right. All right. <laughs> do we do it again? Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh my god, I gotta start laughing. Maybe I should welcome everyone with a laugh. All right. <sighs> Hello, hello, and welcome to Fragmented, Redefining Womanhood. Uh, I am Sarah Jane, pronouns are she, her. I am Becky Foote, pronouns are she, her. Should I be saying Sarah Jane Boucher now? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Sarah Jane's fine. I think you're Sarah Jane forever and always. That's right. Mm -hmm. Love it. Okay. So what are we talking about today, Becky? So today we are talking about, we're calling it the body piece. Mm -hmm. Um, You Mm. can, no. Body love piece. Oh, I'm sorry. I messed it up already. We're talking about the body love piece um, where we're going to be talking about our bodies and what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they feel like a hot mess. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't. Um, but why are we talking about that today is because it is the holidays and it is winter here in the Northeast. And so it's very easy to put on a couple extra pounds. And for some people, that's not a big deal, but for some people it is. So I think it's probably really important to put a trigger warning on this one because we are going to be talking about, um, eating, eating disorders, Mm -hmm. things of that nature. So if any of that might be triggering to you, Maybe you may want to listen. Maybe you don't. But there you go. There's the information. Do what you want with it. Um, So anyway, but we are talking about um, something that Sarah is actually really, really well versed in. And that is um, body positivity. Is that what we want to call it? Yeah. I feel like that's such a blanket statement. But essentially, Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Okay. So at the bottom line, that's what we're talking about. Um, and so the holidays can be really triggering, um, for any type of body issues or, or trying to be body, body positive. Um, we just had Thanksgiving, our last podcast, we chatted about some boundaries, but we can have, you know, boundaries around family as well as body. I guess you can have boundaries too, right? And around food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but specifically we want to talk about the mental health. I Mm -hmm. believe that goes into, you know, body self-image, the way we look at our bodies, the way we see them. Um, Sarah's actually the one that gave me some information when we first started, when our friendship first started blossoming, um, that I did some research on. And I was actually really shocked. I don't know why I was shocked. I probably shouldn't have been. Um, (laughs) But it has to do, so women's bodies in our culture, there's a lot of patriarchy around it. Um, do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that? I feel like you're very, like I said, well-versed in that, that part of it and why society, why decide does society want us to care so much about our bodies and what they look like? Mm -hmm. Like, why is that so important in our culture? Absolutely. So, I mean, I feel like I should just give some context. So I actually got all of this from a book that I read. I'm going to find the page, but it's called the anti-diet. It's by Christy Harrison. There's so many books out there about intuitive eating or um, not binging, if that's something that you struggle with yourself. So I'm pretty sure it was this book and The Goddess Revolution when we were talking about it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I am someone who has always been a little bigger. Um, in high school, I always used to think I was like super duper fat, which is, you know, one of those things you look back at your pictures, you're like, <laughs> What was I thinking? <laughs> um, and I wasn't. I never was. But according to society, I was. I was overweight. I had a little, like, chunk on me. I had a muffin top, whatever. Um, and I loved my food. Food was a comfort for me. 
uh, growing up in a very traumatic, abusive household. That was the only thing that made me feel good. Um, and then I've always yo-yoed my weight. It's been a problem. I've never had a consistent weight or been able to maintain. I've always dieted. I've always been like, I had a baby when I was 20 and then I gained a bunch of weight because I was mega depressed and then I like dieted and then the cycle just kept going over and over again and I was like I'm so tired of the cycle I'm so exhausted but nothing was working like I knew diet culture was bullshit but I couldn't get myself out of it and I think so much of it was because I didn't understand the beginnings of it and when I started to understand the beginnings of diet culture and where it all came from it like something clicked for me so I'm hoping that maybe this can be something that can click for other people as well. So essentially, diet culture was created by the church, actually. Um, and thinness became sexy in the 20s, in 1920. It's something that started way before then. But, like, there was a whole campaign that actually started in the 1920s when, like, the whole flapper, like, that whole thing when cigarettes were start kind of on the rise. Um, they started having this whole campaign about how thinness is beautiful, where you can see the transition between um, marketing and like the early 1900s with like women that are like normal size or midsize or plus size was like the standard. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden it switched very quickly to like extreme thinness. Um, and then, <clears throat> yeah, it kind of went from there. And then uh, diet culture was kind of born where I don't know about you guys, but uh, did you have a mom that always dieted? N no, I wouldn't say that. I would say I was not introduced to diet culture through my, my home. Oh, that's I, good. Yeah. I, I mean, that's not. a good thing. Um, yeah. Do did you, a lot of your habits with food start when you were at home or did it happen after? So a lot of my, I would say bad habits started with food um, after I left home and um, I was a smoker for a very large part of my life. And so I was always, I've always been a little bit naturally on the thinner side, just genetics. Um, although it's interesting because I remember um, there was a time where, where you were talking about where bigger woman, like voluptuous woman was more of a popular thing. And then there was super thin women and my mom was on the super thin side. So, um, she was always, you know, I guess Twiggy back in the seventies. Mm -hmm. That was like mm -hmm. another, like you're saying it was the flappers in the twenties. It was Twiggies in the seventies. Mm -hmm. Um, so I never really struggled with that. And it wasn't until, um, well, I was able to maintain my thinness after I left home, mainly because I was a smoker, which is like the <laughs> worst thing you could possibly do. Right. Which is how it was promoted. Yes. Like if you smoked, then you would stay thin. And that was part of a diet. I was so yeah. afraid to quit smoking for so many years because I was afraid I was mm -hmm. going to blow up. But um, I did quit smoking and I didn't blow up. So that was a good thing. Um, I did maintain pretty healthy like eating habits. But it wasn't until after I had my daughter mm -hmm. where I couldn't help but be bigger because that was just the nature of what my body was doing. And so I went into... Um, like a shock, like, like, mm -hmm. uh, mentally, I was like, Oh my God, I'm, I was over my BMI weight and I've never BMI is bullshit. It's but bullshit. It's patriarchy. Don't make me get out my soapbox right now. <laughs> and I did not know. I didn't, I wasn't equipped with that information to know that BMI was bullshit and it was formed by the patriarchy. I know that now, but at the time I didn't. So I was panicking and thinking, Oh my God, I'm over my BMI. And I also had gestational diabetes. And so I was higher risk mm -hmm. for type two after having my daughter. So, you know, 
visceral fat was really a thing for me. Um, but it was probably more of a thing I was making up in my head than the reality of what was actually happening. So I actually started the start of um, a bit of an eating disorder after I had my daughter. I've never actually admitted that to anyone in my family, but of course I'll admit it on a podcast. <laughs> Um, and it was all mental. It was all mental. And it was because I was supposed to look a certain way. So then God gave you to me, if you believe in God and higher power and all that stuff, um, in my life, because you had, um, brought a lot of this information that I did not know. Um, we had talked about it a lot and, so anyway, you had done Dear Sarah Jane, and mm. that's something you can follow on Facebook too that Sarah does, and it's all, well, you can, I'll let you explain what it is, but um, you talked a lot about um, women's mental health, physical health, those type of things, and so that's when I started doing some research, and I was like, oh, I'm actually normal. Like, mm. can we normalize a wo- what a woman's body looks like at mm. a certain, you know, especially at a certain age, especially after having children? Um, so yeah, and I was able to get the help I needed, the mental health, um, that I needed the mental help for my mental health, I should say. Um, so yeah, that was my experience with it. Yeah. Good. I mean, like that's one of the things that I think why the body positivity movement has been so important is that it's allowing people to see other people that look like them. And Mm -hmm. the one thing that diet culture has created and the patriarchy has created is like making everyone believe that thinness is the standard. Mm-hmm. It's not health. It never has been about health. And mm-hmm. that's like, was the one key component that was such an eye opener for me is like these doctors that are pushing BMI and all of these people that are saying like thin is better. It's not about the fact that if you're thinner, you're healthier. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's it's literally like how to make other people feel more comfortable because they're used to thinness, mm-hmm. first of all. Um, And secondly, like it's not health because most people that are like super thin are probably steeped in diet culture to the point of like fear of eating anything outside of it. The most interesting thing is like listening to celebrities who like have to get prepared for a role, even like male celebrities, especially when they're talking about like, like a lot of the MCU like superheroes and they talk about their experience of having to be fit for like, like Chris Hemsworth talked about it with Thor and Chris Evans. Oh, and uh, Channing Tatum talked about it with doing Magic Mike that like he hated like how he had to diet and stay fit in order to mm. be fit for Magic Mike because it's not reality. Like okay. it's not realistic at all. And like mm-hmm. it was made him like super uncomfortable, but it's how he was supposed to be mm-hmm. so that he could look a certain way. So um, what am I trying to say? So I think one of the biggest steps for me when I moved away from like dieting all the time because I was dieting all the time. Um, Even when I was like a health coach, I was constantly thinking about food, what I couldn't eat. Um, I was weighing myself like once to twice a day. Um, It was exhausting. Uh, And like I had to see that this was what was created for me by the patriarchy um, and in diet culture. And I don't want to subscribe to it anymore. Like I am done subscribing to the notion that like I'm better if I'm thin which is not true at all because all it does is bring shame to women no matter what your size is Mm -hmm. um that you're only good if you're this size I think that's actually a really interesting point that regardless of your size there's some shame around no matter what size you are I have a friend who I'll remain nameless and she's just naturally thin and I was talking to her about all of the above and she said well there's also thinness shaming too Mm -hmm. like skinny shaming so there's like this underlying 
shame around our bodies, no matter what size we are. Um, but you know me and my statistics. And so, of course, I have to throw a yeah. couple out there. But um, so there's actually 45 million Americans are estimated to go on a diet this year. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's And it's insane. like right in the time of the year when like everyone's thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Like to be honest, the holidays for me in the past was always like, oh, cool. I can eat whatever the fuck I want in December because I'm just going to go on a strict diet in January mm-hmm. and I'm going to start working out like crazy and I'll just lose it all. It's fine, which is so bad for you. Like mm-hmm. not just only men- mentally, but like physically. Like it, it like really fucks with like your intestines and like your kidneys and your heart. Like it's just too much. And one of the things when I was at the cardiologist, we were talking about my cardiomyopathy, and he asked me about my dieting because I have gained a lot of weight in the last few years. Um, And he's like, is this like a normal weight for you? And I was like, no, like this is recent. Uh, (laughs) It was the heaviest I've been in a long time. And he's like, what was it like before? And I told him that I was a yo-yoer. And he was like, oh, that really messes with your heart to like Mm. gain weight and then lose weight and Mm -hmm. then gain like large amounts, which Mm -hmm. when you stay in diet culture, they want you to stay in diet culture. They want you to continue to diet. They want you to binge and gain the weight back because it's a like billion dollar industry. Like they um, want you to lose the weight. It's actually if you if you'd like to know, it's a thirty three billion dollar industry. Thirty three billion dollar industry, ladies. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. They mm-hmm. li- just same thing with like the beauty industry. Like they literally just want you to continue to spend more money mm-hmm. over and over again. And I feel bad like being <laughs> well. I guess I changed, but I used to be a part of those, those people that was like trying to sell health and fitness. Like mm-hmm. it shouldn't be something that's sold. It should be something that everybody has a right to. Everybody Attraction th- rather than promotion. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a right to do what they want to do to get healthy. And I don't, the, the, the reason why BMI is bullshit is because mm-hmm. it defines a certain weight from a certain height, which is bullshit. Like I know people that are quote unquote, obese and the BMI that are healthier, like that work out more, that are like more active and they eat healthier than people that are in the healthy BMI. Like it's not about size. Mm -hmm. It's really how you treat your body. Like, well, BMI was also created by, um, health insurance companies in order to keep everybody. It's a very, very generalized, not specific friendly at all. They don't take, there's things that aren't taken into consideration such, such as genetics time of year. I mean, there's like plenty of the list goes on and on. Um, so if you are not in your quote unquote BMI mm-hmm. size, that doesn't necessarily mean you're unhealthy, but mm-hmm. that's just something. So <laughs> this is, I'm kind of going back to the patriarchy a little bit here. Um, and this was from psychology today. I found it on the internet this morning. Um, it's a quote. I'm just going to read it real quick. It says a culture fixated on female thinness is not an obsession about female beauty, but an obsession about female obedience. Dieting is the most potent political seductive, uh, or I'm sorry, political sedative in woman's history. A quietly mad population is a tractable one. Um, Despite diet culture being an outgrowth of systems of oppression, a tool of the white supremacist Mm -hmm. um, patriarchy, this context is often left out of conversations. As the anti-diet movement has become more mainstream, it's been watered down to be more palatable to the general public. And this means using terms like diet culture instead of calling it the patriarchy. Oh, maybe we should just call it the fucking patriarchy then. Can we just call it that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so anyway yeah it's so it's also about being obedient um Uh being a certain size white supremacy um sometimes people don't believe it's a thing until white supremacy I know quite a few people that don't actually believe that that exists but it does and it exists in what you're putting in your mouth every single Mm -hmm. day yeah and like I was gonna say I when it comes like back back to like I don't want to say diet culture again because it is a patriarchy but another thing that should be lumped in there that I don't think people are actually like I think they're sleeping on it because they think that this whole clean eating movement is like Mm -hmm. health standard Mm -hmm. but it's not like it's not it's another diet it's another like the the point anything that is telling you to restrict something which don't get me wrong like I understand that hold on food is amoral Food cannot be good or bad. That was Mm. probably the biggest thing for me. One thing can be healthier than another thing based on the nutrients and like all of that inside of a food or dish. Mm -hmm. But like we have to start separating good and bad with food because if you put a moral on food, it Mm. literally will destroy you. Like it, like you will start feeling shameful. You will start questioning everything that you're doing. Like, Oh, I'm a bad person because I'm eating this bad food. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and then that's what clean eating does essentially. Clean eating is like, these are the items that you should eat because they are good for you and it's clean and it's good. Like, and I feel like it's a way for fitness people to like trick the consumer into believing that they're not dieting, but by also like giving them a list of like restrictions. And that I understand that some people have health things, diabetics, all those things that tell you like things that you cannot eat due to your health. And I get that. But like one of the biggest things for my weight loss journey as of late, which I'm not focused on weight anymore. I don't think about it. Like I can't, um, was that I had to stop associating morality with food. Mm. So binge eating is huge in America. I was just at the library with my daughter um, the other week and I saw this book about binge eating and I want to look up the statistic on how many people binge eat because it's way more than I anticipated. But with this diet patriarchy, diet culture, um, all of those things, why are so many of us binge eating? Why are we binge eating? Because like, we're stressed out. Because we're stressed. It's the, um, you know, it, is it partly because it's like, don't do something, so we want to do it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But as Americans, we're so stressed out mm-hmm. that binge eating is like a legit thing. Now, I think there's a difference between binge eating, you know. As an eating disorder. As an eating disorder as yeah. opposed to just, you know, something that someone does once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, on binge eating. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even realize that it was an eating disorder, that it was one that I had, but it's something I've done my entire life. Um, I think that everyone has moments of binging, like, I, I guess I say everyone broadly. Um, but do you have a definition for binging? Yeah, it says binge eating can ca- um, can have causes that aren't due to underlying disease. Examples include overindulging at holiday celebrations or consuming lots of calories. Um, preparation for an athletic event such as a marathon. Um, but binge eating. What was that first definition I did not like? Um, no, what, the holiday one? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, is that, Does that feel shameful to you? It did. Yeah. Because I think it's something like who doesn't have a little, I'm sure there are some people out there that maybe don't eat a little extra, but I think 
uh, a doctor told me, and I'm paraphrasing here, so don't quote me on this, but binge eating is eating more than the uh, caloric amount that you should caloric eat. amount that you're supposed to yeah. eat. So are these the same doctors that tell you you should eat 1,200 cal- calories a day, which is fucking crazy? Yeah, I think my I remember. So I had gestational diabetes. Um, that's a very real thing, and I had to be on a very strict diet, and so I learned a lot about what's expected and what's not and sticking to a 2500 a day calorie diet i mean if you really start looking at it it's it's actually quite interesting um but one thing here it says how do you know or when you should seek medical care Mm -hmm. for binge eating um so binge eating is regular and excessive so Mm -hmm. i guess if you're doing it all the time this isn't just like a holiday thing this is when you need to actually seek treatment for it um, physical and mental health are affected. Um, and I think for any type of disorder, whether it's an eating disorder or, you know, or any of the isms, alcoholism or the sexism or the workism or any of those things all start with our mental health. Mm -hmm. And so here we can talk about calorie intake and all those things, but really it starts with how we think and feel. And the shame Mm -hmm. is the motivating factor into what we will or will not put into our mouths. So are you comfortable talking about your binge eating experience? Like, I mean, I'm comfortable with it. Are you? Yeah, I'm good with it. Like, when did you find that you would binge the most? Like, when you were binging, what was happening? What was the prerequisite, I guess? So the prerequisite was I needed to be alone. I needed everybody to, it was, that was a key sign right there. Because anytime, you know, I need to do anything alone is, you know, generally Mm -hmm. a red flag. Um, but it was also, and it was normally at night. I'm sure it could be any time during the day for anybody, but for me, it was at night. Um, and it was because I was restricting so much during the day that I was hungry at Mm -hmm. night too, that I was really hungry and I would have a little bit and then I'd have a little bit more. And one of the things I was recently diagnosed with within the past two years or so was ADD Mm -hmm. and ADD is actually something that can cause, Mm -hmm. um, can be a prerequisite to binge eating Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of um, mental health and psychological issues there so that was a diagnosis that I wasn't aware of Um, it was also because I wanted to feel good Mm -hmm. I just wanted to feel good for five minutes so you can I mean we're today we're specifically talking about binge eating but that could be applied to like a drink or Mm -hmm. a cigarette or a whatever you could just Mm -hmm. fill in the blank Um, But at the end of the day, it was just relief. It was Mm -hmm. it was a moment of relief followed by, you know, regret. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I had moments where it was relief for me as well. But I would say that like mine was steeped in shame. A hundred percent. Like I binged a lot um, when I was binging and I didn't even realize it's something that I started doing when I was really young. Um, my household was very restrictive with food, like basically put a lock on the refrigerator, like not really, but like if you open the fridge, like you were being questioned. Um, one time my parents always used to have diet Pepsi. And one time I wanted to take a sip of the diet Pepsi and my stepdad got really upset and like literally threw me across the kitchen because I like took a sip of diet Pepsi. Um, so there's a lot of shame around food for me. Um, and we never had sweets. There's another thing that's associated with this too. Like, um, it was someone that grew up with a lot of like, I guess you could say like food abuse in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to do that to my children. Um, but there was also like, you have to eat all of your vegetables for you to get dessert, which I don't, not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but like sweets was only defined around 
vegetables. So when I got older and I was able to have those things, uh, like on my own, because I could pay for them, like my sweet tooth was off the chart. Like it didn't, it basically restricted me for 18 years. And then it was like mm. gone after that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, for binging specifically, um, food was always a comfort for me. It kind of took me out of the situation that I was in. It was like a safe space for me to like have those moments with food. Um, so I would like, my we had like an extra freezer and we would always get like those chocolates for Christmas, like those chocolate boxes, like the pot of gold or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very old school. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, and I would like sneak downstairs at night and I like would steal like this ginormous box of chocolates and I would hide it in the back of my closet. And like at night when like everyone was sleeping, I would like go in the closet and I would like indulge in this chocolate because I wasn't allowed to have it like on a normal basis. And like that was when like my comfort and my friend food was there mm-hmm. for me. Um, and it was never like, it was never it was never healthy food. It was always food that I wasn't allowed to have. So like, I didn't even, I remember like cleaning my closet out when I moved out when I was like 19 or whatever before I had dawn. And like my mom found like wrappers and boxes of food, Mm. um, that I had hidden back there. So then after that, like, like when I was depressed, when I was sad, like when I felt shameful, I never wanted to show that side of myself to anyone. So I would always like hide, um, and make sure that no one was around. Um, cause I, you know, and then recently, um, going through a divorce and moving a bunch. And even when like Mark and I started dating and things were really good, I had so much like stress, uh, with the season and all that stuff. I would wait until like, like we would order pizza and fried dough and I would like eat like one or two slices. And then I would wait for everyone to go to bed. And then I would like sit in front of the TV or like watching TikTok and just like very like by myself. I wanted to be by myself. And there was, mm-hmm. it was so much of that. So excuse me, surrounded with food and shame. Can I give a little analogy about the being alone thing since that seems to be a theme? Mm -hmm. So someone had said to me one time, the only thing that grows in the dark are um, fungus. Mm -hmm. And then what happens when you bring it to the light is it dissolves. So I think that's one of the reasons why we want to talk about this today is to bring it to the light to dissolve it. I mean, there's so much secrecy and shame around eating. And I think it's a lot of it for me anyway, has to do with the restriction aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you tell me not to have something. It doesn't matter what it is. You tell me I can't do something. I'm going to do the complete opposite. Um, so I have found that just what, uh, what is the word, uh, called, uh, what is it called? Um, when you eat and in, eat intuitively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just kind of knowing like, okay, I'm full. I can like listening to your body, listening to my mm-hmm. body. Yeah. And sometimes my body might want a piece of chocolate. Fine. I can have that what have you. Um, this whole binge eating around the holidays. I don't know. I I feel like binge eating around the holidays just just seems like an excessive, excessive word for it. It feels very shameful. Like I I think one of the, well, first of all, one of the biggest, the biggest misconceptions with um, intuitive eating is that you can just eat whatever you want, whenever you feel like it. And Mm. that's just kind of like, there's a lot of, um, mental work that goes into the ability to properly intuitively eat mm-hmm. um it's also like choosing like making a choice between things that have more healthy dense items in them than like you know but also not um restricting yourself from the things that you want so like mm-hmm. 
for example, like I love chips. Salt is like my thing. Like I love salty and sweet. But anyway, like I love chips. So like if I want chips for lunch and sometimes I want like my zero sugar soda. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if I want chips for lunch, I'll make sure that I have a protein packed sandwich or protein packed like food to go with the chips and like a vegetable. And that way, like it feels good. It like I'm having the thing that I want while also eating like nutrient dense foods. And I'm not just like sitting down and eating a whole bag of chips I also have to take the chips out of the bag and put them on a plate Mm. because if I eat out of the bag I will eat the whole fucking bag like Mm -hmm. that's just how it is so Mm. um anyway portion sizing yeah so there's it's not intuitive eating like you said it's not just a free-for-all I mean you're portion sizing and you're mixing your carbs and your proteins and I mean there is some level of like understanding Mm -hmm. how to eat correctly yeah yeah and that like that's something that you should like discuss with a doctor that understands those things I actually had to like quit my doctor and I have walked away (laughs) I know I have walked away from doctors that don't respect that I don't want to know how much I weigh I have not weighed myself myself the only time the only reason why I know my weight is because of the doctor's office um but I asked them to tell me I have had a doctor that told me my weight when I didn't want to know my weight but like if a doctor comes if it's not directly related to what's going on with me don't fucking talk to me about my weight like Mm -hmm. I, I feel like so many doctors are using like they've been like steeped in that BMI stuff that Mm -hmm. they're using weight as a reason to not properly treat people that might be higher on the BMI so anyway I quit my doctor because like they didn't understand they like told me to go on a 1200 calorie diet and I was like "Mm, no like I know that's not healthy Mm -hmm. um I understand calorie deficit is important to like losing weight or to getting healthier but like that should not be the goal like if you keep doing things for weight loss to be the goal you will always be steeped in the idea that your worthiness is directly correlated to your weight. I actually felt something when you said that because I think that that is where my eating issues had stemmed from is because I was no longer a certain size. And so my self-worth and my innate, I mean, my human birthright is to be here and be healthy, Mm -hmm. not to be here and be a certain size and be thin and be thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a lot of shame around the fact that I was no longer this particular size that I had in my mind anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think where the mental health component comes in that I think is so important. It's not about calorie deficit. It's not about, um, you know, whether, whether or not we call binge eating around the holidays, such a mental health. And I think mm-hmm. that any type of addiction or overeating or any of the isms have to really do with, um, this core feeling of shame, like really deep Absolutely. shame. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think of that? Oh, I totally agree. It all starts. It has to start with your mental stuff first. So if you're, um, like going into the holidays, let's just like, bring it back to the holiday portion, like going into the holidays, if your mindset is what we had mentioned earlier about like eating whatever you want so that you can diet in January, it's going to lead you back to the same position next year in December. You're going to be in the same place you were. Um, If you're like, oh, if you go to a holiday function where you see people like once a year and your grandma made her favorite cookies, but you feel that you can't eat the cookie because you were going to gain like five pounds, you're still in the same place that you were last year. And the biggest thing in the beginning of the mental part is breaking the cycle that you have been in for years of like the patriarchy and like Mm -hmm. understanding that your worthiness is not directly correlated. It's not, it has, hold on. Your worthiness is not measured by a size or weight. Mm -hmm. Like by like a dress size, 
or a number on a scale. Numbers have no definition in how worthy you are. And learning to love yourself as you are right now, which I know is really hard. I struggle with it all the time. I struggle with it daily. It's something that you have to do every day. But like when you stop telling yourself, I will be happy when, I will be happy when I'm this weight. I will be happy when I lose this so I can fit in this dress. I will be happy if I can make it through the holidays and not gain five pounds. Like if you keep living in the I'm happy when, you're never going to be happy. Mm-hmm. You will be consistently on this hamster wheel of waiting for that to come. And when I tell you when it comes, you're not going to be satisfied mm-hmm. because you're looking at the what, the when. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question? Oh my gosh, that was so good. <laughs> that was so good because I think that's another thing. The, you know, when you finally do get to that size, is it really fulfilling? Is no. it really giving us what we want? Is it really, you know, I saw this great TikTok video last night and it was this woman who was like probably 45 and she wasn't heavy. She wasn't thin. She just looked like a normal person. And she was like, can we just normalize what normal bodies look like? But and the word normal is so relative because some mm-hmm. of us are just genetically have different bodies our body sizes are genetics unless you do like a shit ton of plastic surgeries like kardashians mm-hmm. which don't get me started <laughs> on them but like they not everyone's body is supposed to be the same so stop mm-hmm. trying to like measure yourself to someone that you see on social media especially because social media is bullshit yeah i wanted to bring up the social media aspect too because i actually had to stop following some people because mm-hmm. after i had my daughter and i was looking at some of these moms who were like oh this is what i look like you know two months post baby and i'm like what is that i mean and i think there are some people out there who legitimately enjoy exercise and to them it's like you know it it's like what flowers does for me that's my career you know so that might do something for someone else but it doesn't you know for me I'm like it's not my reality right um so to compare myself to somebody else um who has their own has their own stuff and we Mm -hmm. all have our own struggles too with mental health we all see our bodies differently and that's Mm -hmm. why it's really important to look at your body like seriously this is an exercise that I'm sure you've heard before but I highly recommend that you do it it actually helped me and it still helps me to this day um, literally look at yourself in the mirror naked. Like, don't like take your clothes off and look down at yourself because it's a different angle than like the reality of what you look like. And like, look at yourself in the mirror and like start complimenting different parts of your body and why you love those parts of your body. Like, mm-hmm. I love my arms because they hold my babies and I love my chest because, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that. I <laughs> I don't want to get like too, you know, I love my stomach because it held my babies. And that's a very difficult place for me to be like learning to love your body for yourself and not for someone else too. Like not for your partner. Like Mark loves all, everything about my body, like different parts of my body. And he has reasons. But if I say, well, I like this part because this person loves it. Like that's not you loving and accepting your body for Mm. the way that she is today. Mm -hmm. Um, and then seeing it that way. And then like, so do that. Mm -hmm. Start there. But, like, understand that, like, all of this stuff, guys, starts mentally. It's very much, like, how you see yourself. And it's a daily exercise, like, mm-hmm. all the time. But, like, please eat grandma's cookies and, you know, <laughs> like, go to Christmas parties and enjoy what you're eating. Like, Well, I think, too, also, so in our last podcast, we talked about boundaries and we talked a lot about family dynamics during the holidays. And mm-hmm. I think that family dynamics can bring up that word that we were talking about before shame. Mm -hmm. I think there can be a lot of shame. And so whether it's binge eating or doing another, um, self-destructive 
form. Just something to be aware of. Just something mm-hmm. to keep in mind as we're going about our holidays. Yes, we want to treat our bodies good, but we also want to enjoy and we also want to be aware of some of the things that might trigger those self-destructive behaviors mm-hmm. too. Because being around, you know, family and so it's like one of the most stressful times of year, mm-hmm. but do it perfectly. And I think it's that perfectionism piece too that gets me every time I don't know if it gets you but it gets me every time oh no absolutely also like you're gonna have like if you don't start addressing the issues that you have with your body or the way that you feel about your body mentally with yourself and start building I'm so sorry guys my dogs are here and they're crazy (laughs) um like if you don't start addressing those things and seeing yourself (laughs) Cohen has something to say on women's bodies as well I know I'm sorry okay so if you don't start addressing those mental things with your body and seeing yourself as beautiful as you are mentally and like doing the work, when you go to that Christmas party and you have that dickhead aunt that's like, mm-hmm. um, oh my gosh, it looks like you gained some weight. Maybe you should have more from the salad. Like whatever. Or how many Weight Watchers calories do you think that that would be? I'm just curious. I'm just yeah. asking for a friend. Yeah. And we all we all we all have that. We all have a passive aggressive person too that can like really just tear us down. And um, if you're Cohen, <laughs> if you're not mentally doing the work for yourself, that person is going to tear you down further. I'm not saying that it's not going to feel good. It's probably it is not going to feel good and I totally mm-hmm. understand. But if you aren't doing the work yourself, it's going to like hurt you even more affect you even harder yes mm-hmm. um so it's you have to do that work so that when you sh- and nothing is more satisfying when you are confident and your plus size awesome body or whatever size you are I'm just I'm saying this for myself mm-hmm. but nothing is more um, like satisfying than when you are confident in your own body and you walk around the people that are so insecure that they would say something like that to you like those because mm-hmm. in- that's why people say those things born out of their own insecurity right mm-hmm. so when you're confident around them like they won't have the balls to say it to you and if you do you can just be like oh cool I'm pretty sure this is my body mm-hmm. like this is mine right mm-hmm. I just want to check like, <laughs> <laughs> and like so like if they make comments about your body like have those boundary sentences prepared Mm-hmm. Of like what you would say back if you know someone's going to say something like that to you because your body is your business, not theirs. Also, too, around setting bo- boundaries around what people might say to us, whether it's about our bodies or not. But let's think about what those sentences would be before we go into it, because we probably already know Aunt Jane or Susie Lou is going to say something. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's not spend post. So they've already said the thing and then we'll spend the rest of the year thinking of that wonderful thing that we could have said in that moment. Let's think about that prior to going into it so you know spend some time thinking about that now rather than spending the rest of the year thinking about what you could have said to that comment you know absolutely yeah 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 I totally agree with that um so I think that we should end with resources and then uh right yeah I agree so I think you have a couple really good resources right here I'm so sorry I'm gonna see if I can cut out this the honking of the toy um so the first book I mentioned before is called The Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. So good. It literally talks about the patriarchy. It talks about like, it, it talks about like, it's kind of like the beginning for intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if you have been considering doing intuitive eating, there are a lot of great resources out there. Like it's really important that you find yourself with an intuitive eating coach or a doctor that is like if on the same wavelength is that like someone that believes in that like sort of thing 
Um, and uh, honestly, one of my favorite resources are on TikTok and YouTube. So mm-hmm. I highly recommend those. Um, and I can, you know, if you guys like reach out to us, I can totally like give you some of those people. Um, so this one's kind of, okay. So the other one too is Goddess Revolution by Mel Wells. Like that was the beginning of the change for me. That was a huge one for me. She's also really awesome. You should follow her on Instagram. I feel like she's one of those people that's like a good person to follow on social media. Um, her name is Mel Wells. Um, she just had a baby. So she's talking about what it's like post baby. Mm -hmm. Um, and she talks about sex a lot too. She's a sex coach now. So it's great. Anyway, and then lastly, I'm sorry. This last one is kind of more about the, like going back to the whole patriarchy thing, which like these two books together like really helped me. Um, it's called Too Fat, Too Slutty, Too Loud, The Rise and Reign of the Unruly Woman. And it's mm. so good. Um, and it talks about how to break free of like a lot of the stuff within patriarchy, um, which is uh, such a huge part of why we feel the way that we do about our bodies. Um, and that's by Anne Helen Peterson. Did you have any? Books? No, you okay. covered all the book resources. Okay. I don't have any specific resources, but one of the things that, um, talking, surrounding myself with other women, mm-hmm. uh, we have, we talk about them all the time, but our soul sisters group is just Amen. being around women who are empowering themselves, mm-hmm. which gives them the ability to power empower mm-hmm. you as well. Um, so again, like when I was in the depths of some of my own issues and then, you know, you had introduced me to some things and then I had kind of taken it from there. Um, but yeah, guys, just surrounding yourself with people that, you know, are the same and meeting your energy, Mm -hmm. meet your energy. Yeah. And like, if you are suffering from binge eating or you have more questions about that, or if you really like are going through some stuff right now in the holidays, like please reach out to a mental health professional, which we will link below. Um, and it's really important to find yourself someone like a therapist. That's a safe space for you to talk to about these things. Um, Mm -hmm. because it all starts with how you're feeling inside of your brain. Yeah. I'm a huge advocate for therapists. I've been in therapy for quite a long time and Mm -hmm. the self-discovery journey, it doesn't ever really end and we're not meant to do it alone. So there's also Overeaters Anonymous and, um, away. And then there's like Celebrate Recovery, which is sort of like the same thing that you guys can connect with um there's a lot of stuff online now because of covid so please like mm-hmm. reach out and find those resources it's really important that you do the self-care yeah there's resources guys if you're suffering definitely not alone um and thank you guys so much for listening today yeah, thanks for joining good. us yeah we hope you had a great thanksgiving and we look forward to seeing you next week see you later bye, bye. guys oh my god i'm so sorry about the dog